All right, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to be talking about patience today, so I get to preach as long as I want, and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) I'm just kidding, it'll be normal. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, it's on page 1220 if you're using one of the Bibles that we provide underneath the chairs in front of you. Uh, We are continuing a sermon series that we began last week entitled, Love is. We are working our way through these 15 actions and non-actions contained in the Apostle Paul's description of love here in 1 Corinthians 13. And last week we began with this pretty challenging concept of love being the point of discipleship. A discipleship is the uh, the way the Bible refers to the Christian's lifelong devotion to Jesus, trust in Jesus, and following of Jesus, and obeying Him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I was, we were saying that really love is the point of discipleship, that as we grow, uh, we should be growing in, first and foremost, love for God and love for others. And last week I said that it's interesting, one of the interesting things about modern evangelical Christianity is that we often measure our progress in discipleship or our spiritual growth in terms of behaviors, right? We normally ask ourselves if we're doing more of what God commands and less of what God forbids. But I was saying that's curious, uh, considering that Jesus clearly articulates in the New Testament that the most important commandment, the greatest commandment, has to do with love. It has to do with our hearts. And Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God, and then the second greatest commandment is to love others. So that's actually really important to remember and recognize as we start talking about what love is and what love does, because we're going to start talking about it today by talking about how love is patient and kind, and God forbid that we, all we hear is that we need to go try to be more patient and try to be more kind. Now, I do, to be fair, I do hope that all of us uh, grow in both the quantity and the quality of our patience and our kindness, but the hope is that any changed behavior flows from a changed heart. And that's where we have to recognize our 100% dependence on God. Only God can change a heart. See... Most of us, if we wanted to change our behavior, we, we could, if we tried really hard, we could probably change our behavior, at least for a little while. But who is able to actually change their heart? And I'm convinced that nobody, including myself, is actually able to change their heart. But I know from God's word and from experience that God is in the business of changing hearts. And the way he does it is he changes our hearts by introducing us to his And so with that said, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to read verses 4 through the first part of verse 8 this morning. This is God's holy, true, and life-giving word. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. 
Father, it is just amazing to be gathered around your word through which and by your spirit you reveal yourself to us. And you reveal to us things we would not naturally assume about you. So that we can know you. And love you. And receive the amazing grace that you have given to us in Christ. Would you help us to get our eyes on him this morning? And Holy Spirit, would you take the sweet truths of the gospel that we're going to be looking at today and weave them into the very fabric of our hearts? Change our hearts this morning. We pray this for your glory and for our joy in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so love is patient and kind. There's an author who says that uh, from one of the great dynasties of China comes this apocryphal story of this really wise man who had all of these extraordinary relationships. He got along with everyone. He never argued with his family or his friends. He enjoyed this remarkable harmony inside and outside of his home. And so news about this man's remarkable relationship made its way to the Chinese emperor. And so the emperor was so impressed that he ordered the man to write a great scroll describing how others could produce such outstanding relationships with their family and their friends. And um, he made a proclamation that uh, this great scroll was to be 10,000 words. So he wants this man with these great relationships to write a scroll, 10,000 words on how to have these great relationships. So the man goes off to write, and days later he delivers this big, heavy scroll to the emperor's palace, and they immediately take it to this great hall, and they unroll it on this huge table, and the emperor comes in, and uh, he starts to read it, and everybody's looking to see what he's going to say and what he's going to do. And after a few minutes, uh, the emperor slowly nods his head, And everybody breathes this big sigh of relief. And as the legend goes, uh, the man was asked to write 10,000 words about his great relationships. And he did write 10,000 words, but he just actually ended up writing one word 10,000 times. Patience. 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 I think you can kind of relate to that, right? If you think about the importance of patience in... Uh, our relationships, our relationships with our friends or co-workers or spouse or children. Uh, patience comes in handy quite often, right? Because we are all sinners. We are all broken. It's interesting, in the 4th century, John Chrysostom, the Archbishop of Constantinople, said that patience is, quote, the cause of all of love's excellence. Patience is the cause of all of love's Excellence, And what he means by that is all of these other attributes of love that Paul talks about in this chapter actually depend on patience. In other words, if we can't be patient, then we can't really do any of these things that we'll be talking about over the next several weeks. So patience is pretty huge. And if you think about it, again, if you think about your relationships with others, patience is a huge piece of building or maintaining a relationship. Um, some of us right now could probably think of someone in our lives who's testing our patience, right? Maybe that's our spouse. Maybe that's a child. So is there good news for you and I who are longing to be more patient, who really know that things would go much better if we could just be more patient and kind? Yes. 
That's what we get to see this morning. And here's, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want me to see. Okay, main thing for this morning is that the more we embrace God's patience and kindness towards us in Christ, the more we are empowered to be patient and kind toward others. That's how it works. The more we truly embrace God's patience and kindness towards us in Christ, that's what fills our hearts with love and empowers us to be patient and kind to those around us. So in order to see this, I want to talk about three things. We'll talk about first what Paul is talking about when he uses the word patience and kindness. They're not exactly what we might assume just from a normal reading. Um, So we'll talk about what are they, what are patience and kindness. Second, we'll talk about where we see them in the Bible so that we have a clear picture of what Paul's talking about. And third, we'll answer the question, when will we see them in us? Okay. Now, you probably want to jump right to that one. You've got to be patient. Okay, so let's talk about what does Paul mean. Let's talk about what Paul means uh, there in verse 4 when he uses the word patience and kind. Love is patient and kind. Now, I have to admit, I was really taken aback when I was preparing for the sermon and I started looking at the word study and I realized what Paul was saying here when he says this word patient. Because it's not what we would naturally assume. When I hear the word patience, I connect that with waiting, right? So I think if I'm waiting for something, I am being patient. And that's true to some extent, but it's there's such a deeper meaning of what Paul is talking about here. And so I was thinking that uh, what Paul is saying is that we just need to be willing to wait for people when they need us to wait for them. That's what love is. And I'm thinking, so that means for parents, you know, we want to uh, just wait a little longer, be willing to wait as our children are struggling with something or learning to tie their shoes or potty training. Or I was thinking for wives to love their husbands, it means that they need to just wait a little longer. If they've asked their husband to do something nine times, just wait a little longer before that tenth uh, time, if if only, if only what Paul was talking about here would be that easy, just waiting a little longer. Uh, he's talking about something much more challenging, in fact, impossible. See, one of the one of the best ways to understand what Paul is talking about when he says love is patient is to bring out the old King James version, which some of you may know this verse from. Um, in the King James, this verse, verse 4, says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Now, uh, love is actually a way better translation than the word charity. But to say that love suffers long is exactly the truest sense of this word patience, this Greek word that Paul uses here that we translate as patience. He's saying to love is to be long-suffering. Uh, what does that mean? Well, to be long-suffering, he's saying that loving people well is not just about waiting for them from time to time. He's saying it actually requires a willingness to suffer and at length. Here's a, here's a couple other places where we see what Paul's getting at. If you look at Ephesians 4, verse 2, and Colossians 3, 12 and 13, both places Paul mentions patience, and then he says something right after both times. Notice that he calls us to patience and then right after that he says bearing with one another. In Ephesians he says bearing with one another in love. That's the sense that we're talking about, bearing with people. But it's even deeper than that. In fact, if you look up this word that he uses 
in the Greek, in a Greek dictionary, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see that love is patient, patient meaning to bear with the offenses and injuries of others, to be mild and slow in avenging, to be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to punish. So when Paul says that love is patient, when he says love is long-suffering, he's saying that loving people requires that we bear with them as they are offensive to us, as they are hurtful towards us, as they sin against us. It's not just about waiting. Um, I was thinking about this and heard a story one time about a bus driver who had a professional boxer on his route. And so that boxer would get on the same stop every day and go somewhere. And he's this big, huge boxer. And one day he gets on the bus and he sits down next to this woman and her little boy. And for whatever reason, the boy sees this big, strong man next to him and he just hits him. And uh, the boxer is a little surprised by that, but he just sits there and then for whatever reason this boy hits him again and he just keeps hitting him and the bus driver is watching this gigantic boxer get beaten up punched repeatedly by this kid and the mom is saying billy stop it stop it you know and the whole time the bus driver is watching this man who could literally pick up this kid and throw him through a window if he wanted to just sit there and take it he's watching him being long suffering now little side note um i'm in no way shape or form and paul isn't either saying that if we if someone's being abused physically or emotionally that they should sit there and take it that's there's different biblical principles that would apply there you should get help you should come to your church or call the police okay different ballgame i'm talking about the the things that we, we we experience in daily life when our spouse or our children or our friends are hurtful towards us are uh, wicked towards us are sinful towards us or angry at us for no reason that's what i'm talking about those types of things when those things are happening paul says love is patient love bears with people even as they sin against us now if that doesn't seem impossible enough Let's make it worse, okay? I want you to see what he talks about, what he means when he says kind. Because notice he pairs those together. Love is patient and kind. Love is long-suffering and kind. They go together. They're actually two sides of the same coin. In fact, he uses a word here that it, it, the only place in the New Testament this word appears is right here. There's other places in the New Testament where there's different words that we translate as kind, but this is... The one place where we see this word. And another way to translate this word, other than kind, that I think can be helpful, is the word benign. Where do you know that word from? When somebody you know says they have a, a tumor and they're going to go get a biopsy to see if A, the tumor is malignant and it's there to do tremendous damage, or if it's B, benign, harmless. Okay. So when Paul is saying love is patient and kind, he's saying that love in its purest form bears with people as they are offensive and hurtful and sinful and all the while remains benign, harmless towards the person. No retaliation. Now, if that's what love is, then I am pathetic. That is not the way my heart naturally works. When someone is... Uh, sins against me or is offensive to me or hurts me, I don't want to bear with them and I don't want to remain harmless. 
I want to attack. Uh, but Paul is saying that's not what love does. Love bears with someone when they're in a terrible mood and saying things that they'll probably regret. Love bears with someone uh, when they have let you down for the nth time. Love bears with the child who's throwing a temper tantrum. (sighs) Love is long-suffering. It bears with people as their sin is overpowering them and all the while remains harmless towards them. Now, who can do that? Who? Who Who has perfectly done that? Not me and not you. Who can remain calm and harmless and and suffer long as people are mistreating us? Well, the the question is, has anybody actually ever done that? And and the only answer, the answer is yes. The only answer is God himself. Okay, let's talk about where do we see this? Where do we see this long suffering and kindness in the Bible? Uh, One of the things we could do if we wanted to take a lot of time, we could look at all the different places in the Old Testament where it says God is long suffering. Okay, we could look at all those places. Jonathan Edwards who wrote a book called Charity and Its Fruits, which I would commend to you. I've been reading it during this sermon series. It's really good. Uh, He says that the way, the place we want to look is, is to the person of Christ. That's where we see perfect patience and kindness in action. Here's one of the things he says. He says, Jesus meekly bore innumerable and very great injuries from men. And then he goes on and on and on about all the different ways people mistreated Jesus and sinned against Jesus during his earthly life and ministry. He talks about how people looked down on Jesus. People were spiteful and malicious towards Jesus. People said that Jesus was possessed by a demon. They falsely called him a drunkard and a glutton. Uh, they called him a blasphemer. They said that he was doing his miracles by the power of the devil. There was a time when they even tried to throw him off a cliff. But he slipped away. Edward says they hated Jesus with a mortal hatred and wished he was dead. And from time to time intended to endeavor to murder him. They were almost always contriving and endeavoring to stain their hands with his blood. So uh, through his life as the scribes and Pharisees were just wicked towards him, Jesus was showing what it's really like to be patient and kind. He was bearing with it and refusing to harm them. I mean, out of all those uh, instances, Jesus never lost his cool. He never hauled off and punched a Pharisee. I mean, don't you wish he had punched one Pharisee? But he didn't. Listen to this. Because Edwards, uh, Jonathan Edwards then goes on to say that the, the ultimate picture of this is actually the cross. Here's what he says. Long quote on the screen. He says, Christ meekly bore all those injuries from men. He reviled not again. With a lamb-like quietness of spirit, he passed through all. And at last, when he was most injuriously dealt with of all, When his enemies apprehended him and led him as a sheep to the slaughter, still he was silent. He was a lamb, so he opened not his mouth. No appearance of bitterness or heat of spirit. No appearance of the calm of his mind being disturbed or any desire of revenge. But instead he prayed for his crucifiers. 
that they might be forgiven even when they were nailing him to the cross. So, the place that we see perfect long-suffering patience and perfect kindness, harmlessness towards the one sinning against someone is we see that in the person of Christ, which is meant to fill our hearts with love for him. And so, so seeing the way Christ responded to the hateful, wicked things that were done against him, seeing his patience, his bearing with that and his kindness, his harmlessness towards them will change our understanding of what patience and kindness actually are. But here's what will change our heart. Here's what changes our heart. Uh, when we realize that the way Jesus was towards those who were sinning against him during his earthly life is the way he always has been and always will be towards you and I who believe. Extending that same perfect patience and kindness towards us. That's what changes our hearts. And if we think about this, especially if we've had like a prodigal period, many of us uh, strayed away and, and did our own thing for a long time, lived in who knows how egregious of sin. And so before we trusted Jesus, we have this long list of horrible things that we regret, that we know are wrong. And what we have to see here is that that whole time, while we, while we were being as wicked as we could be, Jesus was bearing with us and refusing to be malignant towards us. Paul uh, fleshes this out beautifully in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. If you're doing our two-year reading plan, you came across this, I think, on Thursday. Um, this is powerful. Look at this. Paul says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that while Paul was living in complete wickedness, and if you know his story, he was uh, fighting against the church. He was persecuting Christians. And Jesus tells him in Acts chapter 9, 4, that he was in doing so actually persecuting Jesus. And so Paul knows that in his past, he had done the most egregious, wicked things against Christ himself. But he also knows that that entire time, because Jesus loves Paul so well, so much, he was bearing with Paul in his wickedness and not being malignant to him, but being benign towards him. And Paul says that his story is meant to be an example for all of us who believe so that we too, when we look at our past and we see all of the sins that we have committed, we think of all the things that we have done that would make us think that God is going to retaliate, that God is about ready to pounce on us. We too would realize then that that entire time, uh, God has been entirely patient with us and kind towards us. And then not only that, but, um, he has been kind and patient uh, toward us, but he also is being. He always will be 
patient and kind towards us. He will remain patient and kind towards us until he brings us home to glory and makes us perfect. And so as we continue to wrestle with our sin, as we continue to be weak and to struggle to obey, we have to know that uh, the entire time, God remains patient. He's long-suffering. He's waiting through it. And he's choosing to be harmless to us. We could say Jesus is all fuse and no keg. Do you know what I mean by that? If you think about like when in mining, when they used to do uh, mining in, in the sides of the mountains, they would fill a keg filled with powder, a powder keg, and they would then have a long fuse, light the fuse, run away. And then when the fuse got down to the barrel, the keg, boom, mountainside blows up and they can get to the precious metals and do the mining. And so from that comes this idea that somebody who, who just blows up at you whenever you make a mistake, we say that person has a short fuse, right? And a lot of us might have a pretty short fuse, but what the good news is as we, as we know Christ more and his patience with us, love in us means we get a longer and longer fuse. But the best news of all is that Christ is all fuse and no keg. Why? Because of the cross. It was on the cross that he was taking that boom, that explosion, that blow up, that wrath that God rightfully has for our sins. When he went up onto the cross, it was to pay for my sins and your sins, all the sins of those who would believe in him so that we could know for sure that through faith we've been totally forgiven of all of our sin, past, present, and future. And through faith we've been de- declared righteous in his sight. And that all our lives, as we continue to struggle and fail to live up to God's standard, guess what we're guaranteed? Patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. He has to be. He actually has to be patient and kind to us in order to fulfill his promises, right? Uh, Philippians 1.6, it says, Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's going to take a lot of patience uh, on Jesus' part when it comes to me and also to you too. And so here's, here's what happens. Now look back at 1 Corinthians, or I mean 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17, particularly verse 17. What happens in Paul's heart after he remembers the patience of Christ towards him? He explodes into praise or doxology, right? To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, the more that we are honest with the amount of patience and kindness we are experiencing and receiving from God, the more our hearts explode in love and praise for God. So then the question is, well, when will we see it in our lives? So let's talk about that lastly. When will we see more patience and kindness in our life? And the answer is that we'll we'll see more patience and kindness the more that we embrace how profoundly patient and kind Jesus has been and is being with us. Because that fills our hearts with love for him. And then that love, like water, like the the water in a river in the rainy season that's overflowing its banks. As our hearts are filled with love for God because of his patience and kindness towards us, our love overflows its banks, as it were, and spills out onto those around us in the form of patience and kindness. 
the more we see how patient and kind Jesus is with us, the more we will wind up being more patient and kind with others. It'll happen when we believe more deeply than we do now that Jesus does take it when we are offensive and hurtful and sinful. He sits there like that boxer refusing to be malignant towards us. It'll happen uh, when you begin to see that you give Jesus far more reasons to no longer be patient with you than anyone gives to you to no longer be patient with them. It'll happen the more we see that while it requires a few gallons of patience for us to maintain our relationships with others, it takes oceans of patience on Jesus' part to maintain that relationship with us. And oddly enough, it'll happen the more that we take full advantage of a simple part of our worship service that's so important. And that would be the confession of sin. I want you to think about this. Every week we gather, and one of the things that we do is we confess our sin before God. We confess that we haven't lived up to his law. And then right after that, what happens? We receive what's called the assurance of forgiveness or the assurance of pardon. So we confess that we haven't lived up to God's law. And then he confesses to us that we're forgiven in Christ. And really what's happening there is we could actually call the assurance of pardon the assurance of patience. And therefore every week we're given this profound opportunity not only to celebrate the good news of the gospel of our forgiveness, but also the good news of the patience of our God. And that will fill our hearts with love for him. And then that will spill out into those around us. Let me tell you, there's a story about a man who um, moved to, from Chicago to Kentucky. He was going to be working there for a few years. And while he was in Kentucky, he met a woman and they got married. And then they moved back to Chicago. And uh, they enjoyed three lovely years of marriage. And then she got sick and she lost her mind. And when she was at her best, she was demented and when she was at her worst she was screaming uh, so loud that the neighbors would complain and so uh, he ended up packing everything up and moving him and his wife uh, out into the suburbs of Chicago built a house out there determined to stick by his wife and try to nurse her back to health and sanity again well one day the their family physician said that perhaps if he were to take her back to Kentucky and back to her home uh, for a while that something in those familiar surroundings might help her help restore her sanity restore her to health and so they went down to Kentucky and they walked around where she grew up they walked around her house and around this river and this garden and hand in hand they went all to all the places that she had known when she was younger but after several days uh, nothing had changed and so very defeated and discouraged this young businessman puts his wife back in their car and they drive back to Chicago. But when they got close to their house, he glanced over and he noticed that she was sleeping. And he saw that she was sleeping more soundly than she had slept in a long, long time. And so when they got to their house, he opened up the car door and he picked her up still asleep and carried her into their bed and laid her there. He could tell she still wanted to sleep. So he just grabbed a chair and sat down next to her. And he placed a cover over her and then just waited and watched through the entire night, uh, even until in the morning time. And so when the morning came and the light started coming through the window, this woman, his bride, actually woke up. I mean, really woke up. 
things had changed. And she was a little disoriented as to where she was and she, because she had come to her senses and here's what she said to him. She said, I feel like I've been on a really long journey. Where, where have you been? And his response to her was, my sweetheart, I have been right here waiting for you all this time. Now, I know that mental illness and sin are completely different things. I don't tell this story. I tell the story to focus on that, that waiting, that patience of the husband. Because it's a picture of the way that even when we are at our worst, even when we're really struggling, Christ sits there by our side saying, my sweetheart, I have been right here waiting for you all this time. We know that love is patient and kind because Christ is patient and kind. The more we see what he's shown to us, his patience and his kindness to us, the more we love him, the more that love will translate into patience and kindness for those around us. Let's pray. Oh, Father, would you please help us to see that patience and kindness in our lives come not through trying harder so much, but through believing more. Holy Spirit, would you help us in our unbelief? Help us to believe in the unfathomable patience we've received from Christ and the beautiful harmlessness as well. And let that change our hearts and send us from here able and excited to be more patient and more kind, not relying on ourselves, but rejoicing in the good news of the gospel and relying on the power of Christ in us. We pray these things for your glory and for our joy in Jesus' name. Amen.